Hebrews chapter number 10. I, uh, I want to say something and I don't, I, don't, I don't ever, ever, ever want to be a discouragement to anybody. Um, we, listen to, we listen to Zachary pray at home all the time. And uh, I think it's important to let these boys take part in any way that they can. They're both saved members of this church. And, uh, and I, I don't make it a habit of listening to what people pray. But uh, I can't help but think about the way these little boys pray. I listen to my boy pray at, at home. And I listen to him thank God for letting him get saved. And uh, he, always, he always says, Lord, thank you for letting for me and Riker and, and Amberly get saved. And I uh, listened to Riker pray, and he said, thank you for letting me and Zachary and Booker get, get saved. And uh, my mind went to Philippians chapter 4, where Paul said, be careful for nothing but in everything by praying and supplication and thanksgiving with thanksgiving. I just don't think I'm as thankful about God letting me get saved anymore. And I am ashamed of it. I am absolutely, I am horribly ashamed of it. God help me. I just want to thank the Lord for letting me get saved. Because <laughs> He sure could have let me wreck the day that I was under conviction. I could have died and I could have busted hell wide open and He'd have still been just. He'd have been God. He, nothing about His attributes would have changed. He'd still be a loving, holy God. <clears throat> Amen. Hebrews chapter number 10. I want to... I have... I have wrestled. Preacher asked me to preach Sunday night when I was walking out. And I have wrestled until today as far as where to be and what, what to preach. I want to... Uh, God be my help. I want to preach on this subject of how to how to help your church. And uh, I'm I'm going to say something about it again in, in a minute. But uh, I understand who's here. I, I know that this is the faithful few, as we're so often called. Uh, one thing that I do want to say about our church is I am thankful that our faithful few is more than some others. Um, I've pastored the faithful few where there was only my family, and, and literally just a handful of others, maybe four or five others. And I'm thankful that our church, we, we don't have a big drop from Sunday morning to Sunday night and from Sunday night to Wednesday night. Um, in ministry, they say that you can judge, a, you judge the congregation this way. Folks that come to Sunday morning church, they, uh, they know that they got to be there and they're going to be there. And they, uh, they, they say that that crowd is... You know, they they just they love they love the church. On on Sunday night, those that come back to church on Sunday night, those are the ones that love the preacher. But those that come on Wednesday night, those are the ones that love the Lord. And uh, I always want to be here. I don't care if it's Sunday morning or Wednesday night. I want to be here because I love the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so I want I want to try to help our church tonight. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 10, we're going to begin reading in verse number 19, and we're going to read down through that verse number 25. And uh, 
try to try to be as brief as what I can possibly be. Um, I, when I was going through Bible college, Brother Tim Giddens told me to be a more precise and exact preacher, write everything down that you intend on saying. And my handwriting ain't that great, so I type everything. So I only got about 15 pages of notes. Y'all are alright. Preacher normally preaches for about an hour, even on Wednesday night. And so I figure I got a good 40 minutes, as long as you'll endure. Amen? I pray it's a help. Hebrews chapter number 10, beginning in verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Would you help us pray? Father, I do love you. I want to thank you, God, for the privilege to be here tonight. Lord, thank you for the, the privilege to stand in this place. God, I don't take it for granted. I want to thank you, Lord, for my church family. Thank you, God, for those who are faithful to come, no matter if it's a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. I pray that you would help us tonight. I pray, God, that you would... Use me, Lord, not so that I could be seen, but so that the church could be edified, so that Christ could be exalted. And God, so that we could do more for you ministry-wise. Lord, I pray that you would help our church. I pray that you would help us to be in unity. I pray, God, that you would grow us spiritually. And I pray that you would get all the credit for all things. Lord, I pray for that one that's here, nearest hell. I pray for my babies, God. I, I pray, Lord, for my little boy, my little girl. God, I pray the first time that you deal with them, Lord, would you please save them. I know it's your will. I pray that you just help, Lord. I pray, forgive us of our faults and failures. Strengthen us where we're weak. I'll be careful to praise you and thank you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you. You can be seated now. I, I believe that it's, it's very clear that, and, and I, I do believe that we all realize the time and the temperature of the church spiritually. Uh, we are we are living in the days of apostasy. Uh, we we are living in those days that Jude warned about. Uh, we are living in that Laodicean church age, um, and in spite of that, uh, us knowing where we're at and the, the the time and the temperature of the local church, uh, we we are still in the midst of and witnessing that great falling away that the Bible speaks of. Uh, we are seeing people leave churches everywhere, either to remain seated at home or to join, join up with some, some worldly neo-evangelical uh, movement. I don't even want to call them a church. I, I typed in my notes, churches. I, mean, I don't even want to call them a church because a church is a called out body of believers. Amen? And so, uh, I, I remember... I remember not long ago when the, the move was to the charismatics, but now it's to this new age, this, this seeker-friendly type, if you will. I, I've been to a few of those places where you go in and the ceiling's 
painted as black as night and they've, they've got a strobe light display up on the platform and it's no longer a platform but it's a stage. Can I ride my hobby horse for a second? Y'all okay with that? This is not a stage. This is a platform. A stage is a place of entertainment, but a platform is a place of enlightenment. Amen? This is not a play place. This isn't a playground, but this is a place where the man of God mounts the desk of God and preaches the Word of God to the people of God so that the people of God can grow thereby. Amen? That bothers me. This is not a stage. And yet they're seeking out Christianity as a whole is seeking out a stage because rather than being enlightened, they'd rather be entertained. Can I just say something that sheep want to be enlightened and goats want to be entertained? I'll leave that as there. Uh, these are li- really what they are. They're pop-up churches. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're contemporary. Uh, I like to break that word contemporary down. They're con and they're going to be temporary. Amen. They will. You'll figure out real quick what they are. People are no longer interested in the old past or in the old Bible. They want some newfangled way. They want some guy who is said to have had a revelation from God. I get a revelation from God every time I open up my Bible. Amen. Do I, do I hear the voice of God audibly? No, I hear it a whole lot louder than audibly. I hear it in my heart of hearts when I open this book up and I read it and God speaks to me through it. We are amid Laodicea. Never has there been a lukewarmness like what we are seeing today. Nothing stirs the church. Nothing changes the church. We just seem to be satisfied and we sit by and watch. We have have literally reached that place where we have need of nothing and we're spiritually comfortable. If you think back in the, in, in the, the history of the local New Testament church, I don't think we have ever been as well off as what we are financially and physically as what we are in today's modern church. Amen. I can take you to a place right now where if you were to look at their books, they have hundreds of thousands of dollars in savings accounts. I'm... I'll be real careful. I'm not the pastor here, and I'm not here to pastor. I would say this with the preacher here, but God does not want us to be a holding tank. Amen. We are not to be drawing interest off of God's money. Uh, one of the greatest things I learned in Bible college, Brother Tim said it and Brother Robbie said it when we, were, we went through missions class and then we went through some, some, uh, uh, some other financial classes, but... Uh, when we give our offering, that money loses your identity and it takes on God's identity. Therefore, everything that's in our church checking account is God's money. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. I heard a preacher say one time, we don't pay our pastor, God pays him. I say amen. The church don't pay him, God pays him. It's God's money. Amen. All right. Uh, we are living amid the days of Noah and Lot where sinfulness is open and acceptable. I've said this before and it really bothers me that, that we are... We, we are now entering that time where a separatist, somebody who is sold out and separated, we're either legalistic or we're just plain out and out old-fashioned. I'm fine being old-fashioned, but I'm not a legalist. Amen? I am, however, a biblicist. I believe that we ought to be just what the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. People no longer know how to blush. Uh, and, and matter of fact, in the early days of my life, I can, I can remember when sin was kept hidden from the public eye, and, and that, that's just no longer a thing. 
Amen. It's absolutely horrible to see the likes of the world that we live in. We're amid a world turmoil. Uh, especially in the Middle East. I'm, I'm telling you that if you, you want to know where we're at with the return of the Lord Jesus, you just watch the Middle East and keep your eye on Israel. Amen? Israel is a, they are public enemy number one for everybody. And I just want to remind our church that the Bible says that for those that will bless Israel, God will bless. But I'm telling you there's a stern warning. Those that curse Israel, God said He will curse. You mark it down. God cannot lie. God's chosen nation, His elect, His beloved nation is under attack. Uh, the day, the day that, that Paul spoke of in Hebrews 10.25 is rapidly approaching. The Lord's coming and we're going. I remember, I, I was thinking about this when I read that verse and uh, I, I, I remember several years ago Brother Harvey Ware was here during camp meeting and Brother Harvey made the statement, he, was right, he, was back, he wasn't looking to go by way of death, he was looking to catch flight final. Amen? And I'm just telling you church, we're about to catch flight final. But there's a little bit of time left in the work day. We are, we are living in the midnight hour. And if there's ever been a time for the local church where we've needed for our people, for us, for me and for you to step up, it's today. Not only is there a problem with people forsaking the church, but there's also a rampant apathy among God's people. And we're seeing, and what we're seeing is, is we're seeing it happen right before our eyes, yet we sit silent on the pews and do nothing about it. I'm going to preach to me for a minute if that's okay. But when was the last time that we have called somebody who's not here anymore, or somebody who's here and not doing anything anymore? When was the last time that we seen somebody sideline themselves and say, hey, it's not your job to sideline yourself. Get back in the fight. There are those that are in church. They're good people. They're saved folk. But they are no longer involved in either the work or the ministry of the local church. There's a rule, there, there's, a, there's a rule that preachers used to talk about called the 85-15 rule. And what it was is 85% of the church did absolutely nothing, while 15% of the church did everything. Today, I think it's a little closer to say it's, it's more like uh, more than 90 and less than 10. And our less than 10 is here tonight. Amen. I know who's here. I understand that, but I, I want to encourage us that every single individual believer is important to the work of the local church. I, I remember when I was a teenager, my, uh, my parents felt that it was imperative that I take two tests. The first was the ACT. Young folks, you're not going to get in college if you don't at least take the SAT or the ACT. Amen. The second, if you want a good job in the military, you need to take the ASVAB and you need to score good on the ASVAB. When I was 17 years old, I scored a 91 on the ASVAB. Yes, amen. I should have went to the military and got all the benefits of the military. And I remember walking into that recruiter's office and I remember looking at that poster on the side. 
of his office and he had that, that old picture of Uncle Sam. I never seen it when I was a kid other than in the recruiter's office. Some of y'all probably seen it on the street. But it had Uncle Sam pointing and says, Uncle Sam wants you. I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus wants you. Jesus wants you, friend. He needs you. The Lord placed each and every one of us here in this body as it has pleased Him and gave each of us a gift that will edify and help the local church. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16, the Bible says this, From who the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. In that verse, Paul speaks about the whole body being fitly joined together, uh, compacted by which every joint supplieth. Let me break that down quickly. The whole body. It is the body has to be complete, having all of its essential parts this shows the importance of every single member. Can I say that inside the church there's no big eyes and little U's? Amen. Without each of us, the body is incomplete. Then there's that part that says fitly joined together. Not only is the body to be complete with all of its parts, but every part is to be fitly joined together. You take your physical body, for instance. You'd be in a mess if your left knee was attached to your right elbow. Amen. You'd look like a crazy monster trying to walk around. You, you think about how our body is fearfully and wonderfully made so that it can function both correctly and efficiently. So it is with the spiritual body. You remember this. God does no, nothing by happenstance or by accident. Amen. Then there's that word together. It means that the body together, corporate, is essential. We have to have one another. We are individuals who have different lives outside of the local church. But when we come together, we come together for a purpose. And that is the work of the gospel. Then there is the compacted by that which every joint supplies. Unification inside the local church is of the utmost importance. Probably some of the greatest the greatest ministerial advice I have ever been given. When I took on... When I took on the responsibility of being a second man, one of the greatest things I ever heard, Brother Randy Sutherland stood outside the, his truck in, in the old church parking lot building over there, or the, 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 the old building parking lot over there uh, before camp meeting, and he told me, he said, Son, he said, it would benefit your pastor if you will find out what your pastor's vision is and do everything in your power to get behind him and 100% make sure that the vision God has given him becomes your vision. When it becomes your vision, then it becomes y'all's vision. And when it becomes y'all's vision, there's more than one trying to reach that goal. It would help our pastor in our church if we'd figure out what his vision is and get behind him and cheer him on. Amen. Then there is that effectual working in, in the measure of every part. The effectiveness of the body is contingent upon the working of every part. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And it doesn't matter if I'm the weakest link or you're the weakest link, but that's as strong as we are. That should provoke us to want to get stronger. An, an Old Testament king, when he was old, he, he was diseased. When his feet would stop, the rest of his body was hampered. 
we, we have to realize that, that, that if, if, if part of us is not, if, 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 if part of us is down, we've got to figure out what's got us down and encourage us and, and get us back up and going. Then there's the making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. I just want to go on public record and say I love my wife's husband. Y'all going to get that in just a second. I love my wife's husband. Here's what I'm saying. I want my body to work right. I got up this morning and I hurt. I told him I did, the, I did that gangster walk at work this morning. I had, to, I had to walk like that to my... Yeah, I was sideways, cocked all kind of sideways. Couldn't tell if I was coming or going. And uh, I hurt bad. And uh, you know what? I love me enough that it, it only took my wife fussing at me three or four times for me to go to the doctor today. Amen. <laughs> I don't always give in like that, but sometimes I ain't got no, I love me and I don't like to hurt. And so I went on. Look, with the body of Christ, it is the edifying of itself in love. And love is one of the key ingredients. Our love for one another, it covers a multitude of sins. I, I, I copied this. Warren Wearsby made this statement concerning this verse. We realize that as members of the one body and a local body, we belong to each other. We affect each other and we need each other. I want to pause right here. Warren Wearsby didn't say this. Brother Philip said this. You are a fool if you think that what, the way that you act does not affect everyone else and the way that everyone else acts does not affect you. Amen? When, when Caitlin was at home, I used to pick at her and I, I told her one time, I said, attitudes are contagious. You mark it down. However your attitude is, it will rub off on everyone else around you. If you have a sour, hateful attitude, it's not going to be long. Everybody around you is going to have a sour, hateful attitude. You mark her down. If you love sinners, those around you are going to start loving sinners. If you despise missions, ain't going to be long. Those around you are going to despise missions. If, you, if you've got alt with somebody, ain't going to be long. So I'm just telling you, it rubs off. Warren Wearsby said, Each believer, no matter how insignificant he may appear, has a ministry to other believers. The body grows as the individual members grow, and they grow as they feed on the Word of God and minister to each other. Now, let's go back to our text in Hebrews chapter number 10. I want you to remember this, that everything that we've mentioned in these verses <coughs> has to do with others and not self. If it was not, if it were not for Jesus Christ, none of us would have any hope. If it were not for Calvary, mind you, this is what Paul penned, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of, not you, not me, not the church, but of Jesus, it's because of His blood that we can enter in with boldness. There is an acrostic using the word joy that will benefit us. Jesus first, others second, you last. Amen. Uh, we, I pick at these kids. Brother Mark calls it a dad tax. I just call it Bible. Prefer the brethren. You get a little candy, I mean, prefer the brethren. Amen. Remember your brethren. I'm not taxing them. 
I'm not Caesar, amen. Lord of God, just prefer the brethren. I tried it with Eloise a little while ago. It did not work. <laughs> she wasn't having it. Now, if, if we would follow that joy acrostic, we put Christ first in our lives, and then we put everybody else ahead of ourselves, you'd be amazed at what we'd accomplish for the glory of God. Selfish people accomplish very little for the, for the, for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Amen. If, if, you, if you are always constantly concerned about self, odds are you are not doing anything for Christ. And that's just plain fact. In verse number 23, what we do is for our Lord first. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For He is faithful that promised. It is by Him and through Him, and to Him, that we owe everything. We owe Christ a debt that regardless of how, how we... Look, the, we, we owe a debt to a wonderful Lord and Savior who is never going to require us to repay. Amen. i got a young boy working for me right now. He's 17 years old. He graduated early. He's just waiting until he can walk so he can go to lineman school. And uh, he's got a, he had a nasty, nasty toe where he had some ingrown toenail cut out. And uh, I told him he needed to take off early enough day to go to the doctor and get that thing looked at. He's going to rot off. He's going to be in a bind. He said, Mr. Philip, I would, but I, I just can't take off work. He said, I, I love money too much. <laughs> he said, I love money too. And I'm here not because I love money, but because my creditors love money. Amen. And you know what my bank don't like to hear? I can't pay. When my truck note comes due, they don't like to hear I can't pay. When my phone bill's due, they don't like to hear I can't pay. If it's the power, they don't care if you can pay or not. Amen. You realize that we owe Christ a debt that we can never repay. And He's not ill about it. <laughs> I'm about to get blessed off my own preaching. <laughs> That may not do anything for you, but that does a whole lot for me because I know me. I owe him a debt that I'll never be able to repay and it's okay because he's not going to require it. Look, it don't matter how long you've worked, you'd never even save up enough to have a down payment for the debt that you and I owe him. We ought to just do everything for him, to him, by him, because of him. Verse 24, he said, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We are considerately to provoke one another to love and to good works. I thought about this. It means that we ought to be excited about the work of the Lord and so excited that we encourage everyone else to be excited about it. Can I speak to our shame? Y'all don't take this the wrong way. Because I have been praying for three little old babies for the last nine and a half months. Some longer than that, okay? Because I ain't know nothing about Mary Beth or Amy. And we, we had no clue about James. And I about had me a running fit in the parking lot when they told me they was having James. Amen? Okay? And then Miss Becky and Brother Derek springs a surprise on us. We know nothing about that, so now I'm praying for another limb. That ain't changed, right? Amen. I'm praying for a little boy, another little boy. But you know what? 
I love these little old babies being born, and it excites me for a birth. But you know what? When Brother Mark gets up and says that we had one saved at jail ministry, it ought to absolutely floor us, and we ought to be running happy. I mean, it ought to fire us up when somebody at the prison gets born again, when Brother Troy comes back and gives report that somebody got saved on the county side at Stone County. We ought to get fired up because one more is going to miss hell. If somebody gets saved in street evangelism or door-to-door, we ought to be fired up. I'm not against these babies being born. I love them kids. And I'm going to do everything I can to preach to them and tell them the truth. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to cut up with them. I'll be 43 next month. I'm going to act like I'm three now. Hey, I'm getting out of the terrible twos, y'all. Amen. I don't know how much better the threes is going to be. I love them babies, but we ought to get fired up. We ought to be so excited when somebody gets saved that that excitement rubs off to somebody else and they want to go witness to somebody. When was the last time we got excited become some wretched, wicked, hellish looking sinner got born again? God help us. The preacher said it for years. We have prayed so many saints out of heaven and missed so many that were sinners that are going to hell. God help us. We ought to... We, we ought to be so excited that we, it causes those around us to respond in a positive manner. Getting others on, that, on, on the inside instead of sitting on the fringe that getting others involved in the work of the ministry and doing the work of God. Jesus made this statement. He said that His meat was to do the work of the Father. You realize that this ain't my business, this ain't your business? Can I ride another hobby horse? This ain't our work. This is the Lord's business. This is the Lord's work. And we just have a small part of it. We are are going to be beneficiaries of a great, great, big, great, big investment that was made on Calvary. Amen. Blessed be the name of God. Paul says in verse number 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Exhorting one another in the light of spiritually devastating days. You realize that the church, the church is imploding. We're really not facing attack from the outside. It's people, they just don't want to submit to the Word of God and the will of God anymore, so they're just leaving. There there is a, a law. Fat days physically tend to cause lean days spiritually. Let me say that again. Fat days physically usually cause lean days spiritually. In days when most are falling away of settling down, the Lord said, and so much the more. There are so many ways that we can help our church. So many things that that are being and and need to be done. And so I'm just going to name just a few and then you can fill in the blanks when when church is over. Alright? I got ten things. Y'all remember brother, uh, brother Darren Fawcett? 
Daddy would build a big front porch and then give you a little bitty old house. That's what I did. I give you a big old front porch. Now here's the meat of the message. Ten things. First off, you can help our church by being here faithfully for everything. Not just church. Amen? Not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But being here for work days. Being here for camp meeting. Being here for revival. Can I tell you what bothers a pastor? Is when the pastor has prayed. And, and I'd say this if the preacher was here. He's going to go back and watch this. So it ain't like I'm trying to hide anything from him. But it is discouraging to a pastor to sit down in your secret place and pray about a meeting. And God put a meeting on your heart. And then God give you a man for that meeting. And you pray that thing over. You know you're 100% in the will of God. Everything is set. You tell the church, the church, we call the man to come and preach. And it's like a handful of the churches here every night. Amen. That's, that's disturbing and it's hurtful. Be here faithfully for everything. Look, what a blessing it is when people are in their places. It encourages the body of whole as a whole. And an empty place discourages. It's not just the preacher that just gets discouraged. I don't know about you all, but it discourages me when folks that I think ought to be here are not here. Amen. Can I tell you what I don't like doing? I don't like teaching an empty Sunday school class, and I don't like preaching to empty pews. Amen. I'll study all week to teach Sunday school for nobody to show up. I'll tell you what I've done differently this go-round. I ain't never done. I asked them kids every week, have I not? Now i got three students here tonight. Have I not asked y'all every Sunday, have you read your lesson? And sometimes they'll shake their head like this, and sometimes they look down like that. And you want me to tell you what I'm going to do? I'm going to continue to ask them if they've read their Sunday school lesson because I've read the thing all week long to study so that I can bring them something from the Word of God. I want to encourage them to grow. Don't stay where you're at. You, if, a, if a water puddle never takes in anything else, you know what it becomes? A stagnant pool. You can't even get a drink from it. Amen. I've hunted in places. You walk up on a... You, looks like a... From afar off, it looks like it'd be a pretty good body of water. You get up there and what it is, what you've seen, was the shimmer of that green slime. And there ain't nothing good inside of it. I'll tell you, I learned the hard way. You'll never bust that slime on top. It stinks underneath. It's nasty. Because nothing ever comes into it. Our lives get like that. Don't overthink that you are not missed if you're not here. I have been there. If I'm not there, it'll be, he's not going to miss me. They're not going to miss me. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's, that's foolish thinking for me to think that and then I sit here and not see one of y'all, I miss you. And, and look, I understand that people miss. Sickness takes place, providential hindrances. I understand the ox in the ditch. I understand that. But when you are not here, regardless of the circumstances, your place is still empty. Number two, you can help our church by being an, an encouragement to others. By encouraging one another. We are living in a day and a time when we need to encourage one another. 
exhorting one another. You will never know what a small word of encouragement will do. Y'all know how I am. I am. I, I never, never want to. I don't. I don't like to draw attention to people. I I keep little things. I keep little things in my Bible, and uh, I had a kid draw a picture of a cross and give it to me, and told me to keep preaching Jesus. I put it in my Bible, and I remember it. I got a note in here somewheres. I'll find it here in just a second to prove to you. I may have put it in my other Bible when I switched Bibles. Y'all don't do that, do you? Y'all don't switch Bibles. Why y'all fuss at preachers? Because they preach the same message more than once. Somebody say amen. I wear out a Bible about every two years. I've got a, I've got a little old note in one of my Bibles that says... Brother Philip, please continue on. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't know what it means to somebody to just come along and say, hey, stick in there, brother. Stick in there, sister. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. I know that all manner of hells rose up against you. I know that you're fighting Satan and you're fighting hell by the acre, but you just keep on going for the glory of God. It helps. It helps. You never know what a small word of encouragement will do to those who are having a hard time. You can help our church by tithing and giving to missions. Now, I know that this is not a problem with our church. Our, God has blessed our little old church financially. Okay? And I thank God for it. I don't think we have an issue with tithing, and I don't think that we have an issue with missions giving. Matter of fact, I don't think we have, a, we really don't have an issue with giving to anything. Our church is a pretty giving church. It has to be said because you all are eventually going to go on home. And these babies need to hear it. My children need to know, hey, you work a job, you need to give God what God's is already, it's already His. It's a good day in my life and I realized it was all God's anyways. Amen. <clears throat> For the most part, for the most part, missions giving in the, in the state of the church is down. And it's because the church does not see the importance of missions. When we come in and we see every single one of these, these letters and these prayer cards, I mean, it ought to do something to us and want us. You remember this, I said it when I was pastor, a missionary is a vehicle. You got in your vehicle and rode to church, right? Because your feet didn't you, your feet didn't want to carry you. Amen. A missionary is a vehicle that we use to get to the gospel somewhere that we can't go. It's not a matter of whether we want to or not, but we just can't. I mean, I have a family to take care of. I can't go to the Philippines. I can't go to Cambodia. I can't go to Africa. I can't go to Scotland. I can't go to Europe. I, I, I can't. I can't go to these places. I ha I have a place here. And I have a responsibility here. So I can't go. So since I can't go, I want to give so that others can go. Amen. We can help our church for praying for each other daily. One thing that I love, Miss Tina gives us a, 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 a detailed prayer list every week when she prints that, 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 that bulletin. 
And Brother Silas is faithful to hand them out. And if you, he, if you don't get one from him out the door, he'll chase you down in the, in, a, in, in the sanctuary. Amen. And make sure that you get one. And you know what it helps me do? It helps me to remember who I need to pray for. There's a list of names up here that I cannot remember, but every one of them names is in our bulletin. How about that? It helps us to pray for one another. The greatest help that any of us can be is to, is to get on our knees and, and, and pray. Just simply pray. You can help our church by witnessing and inviting the lost to come to church. There was a day when folks got saved on the street and come to church to make public professions. Now, I don't remember it, but I've read about it. And it's a shame that I don't remember it and I've only been able to read about it. And the reason why it's a shame is because God has not changed. His command has not changed. Go ye therefore. Can I give y'all some King James English? Everybody says, I don't like King James because of the these and the thous. Well, thee and thou is singular, honey. Ye is where it gets confusing. Anything with a Y. That doubles. It means he's talking to more than one. And when he said, go ye, therefore, he was not speaking to that little small crowd of preachers and apostles, but he was speaking to all of Christianity. All down through the ages. That means presently, today, in 2023, Wednesday, January the 18th, that we are still responsible to go ye, therefore, and teach all nations. Reach them. We've got to reach them. And if we don't reach them, they're going to die in their sin and go to hell. It takes all to reach all with the gospel through carrying tracts, uh, mailing. Look, you mail a bill, put a gospel track in it. One of two things going to happen. They're either going to read it or they're going to throw it in the trash. But guess what? Their blood is off of your hands. Amen. Amen. You can pray for them. You can invite sinners to church. Sinners need to be loved and invited to the church. Amen. You can help your church by help keeping it looking good. <laughs> Amen. I know we have cleaning crews. <laughs> Man, I've been on a hobby horse kick tonight. It burns me for people to walk past a piece of trash in the church. Bend down to pick it up. It's God's house. Amen. I mean, I don't expect you to come to my house and vacuum. But when you come to the Lord's house, the least that we can do is make it look presentable. Amen. If you see paper on the floor, pick it up. Police your area when you leave the church. Look, it don't hurt for somebody other than a select few hand, handymen to change light bulbs and put out toilet paper. Amen. Don't leave an empty roll on the back of the commode. Get another piece of toilet tissue, put it in the stall. It will help the next individual to go in behind you. If the paper towels are out, put paper towels up. And look, I'm telling you, what, what do we do when a visitor comes in here and what they need is not there? It's not their fault. It help our church. You can help our church by going out of your way to make visitors feel welcome. I read this somewhere and I liked it and I stole it. I, I wish I could remember who I read it after. I'd give credit. When a visitor leaves, their right hand ought to hurt. Y'all let that sink in for just a second. Their right hand, ought, they, you, they, their arm ought to have shaken off. Everybody should greet visitors. It don't matter who they are. 
Now, I, I know that, that sometimes we get hung up and, 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 and we just, you know, in chasing kids, I, I understand that. But man, we ought to go out of our way to try to make visitors feel welcome. I mean, I don't want to be where I'm not welcome. Can I, can I just testify to something? I've been to churches as a preacher. Not as a lost man, but as a preacher. And not been made to feel welcome. Now you think of how bad it's going to be on Judgment Day when we have to stand before God in judgment and watch people who have been to our church and they were made to feel like they were out of place. They weren't made to feel welcome. And, 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 and we, we, we drove them off instead of encouraging them to come to Christ. We drove them off. God help. It's just in a preaching, so y'all just bear with me. You can, you can help our church by singing out. Amen. I said it a few weeks ago. You can tell the spiritual temperature of the church by how loud the men sing. Amen. Amen. Fellers, pick up a songbook and sing. And I've, I've heard it all. Well, I don't sing well. God didn't say to sing well. He said, make a joyful noise. If you can show me the verse in the Scriptures where it says make a beautiful tone, I'll eat my Bible. Tonight. Because I ain't ate supper. I'm telling you, I'll eat the whole... It ain't there. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Pick up a songbook and sing. Look, you want me to tell you what singing will do? Y'all ever been... I don't want to sound carnal. Y'all ever been to a dog fight? Probably most of y'all are too good. Y'all ain't never been to a dog fight. I grew up in a neighborhood where they fought dogs regularly. And you know how they get two dogs to fight, Brother Mike? Sick them. They hear that owner say, sick them. It just did something to that dog. If the preacher's sitting up here listening to the congregation sing, and I'm talking about just open up, let her rip, you know what that's doing? That's telling that, sick them, sick them. He's going to get up here and preach like he, is a, like he is a dying man to a bunch of dying people. It's his last chance to ever preach ever again. He's going to get up here fired up. And I don't know why it is like that. If you just open up and let her rip, and we're not singing to one another, we're singing unto the Lord. We are singing to Him. And when we sing to Him, we ought to be singing praises to Him. It would help our church. I'm telling you, it would help our church. I've often wondered why some folks don't sing. And the only thing that I can come up with is that there's just an absolute lack of joy. Amen. You can, you can help our church by forgiving and forbearing. Amen. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. Even as Christ, even as Jesus, He has forgiven you. Look, it takes two to fight. And I have told my children, you ain't got to show up to every fight you're invited to. Amen. And lastly, you can help our church by cheering up and cheering on our pastor. <clears throat> Many of God's men are, are discouraged today because the congregations that they preach to week in and week out are like a bunch of wooden Indians sitting in a service. I will say for the most part, our church is vocal. But I have been here for the last twelve and a half years. Minus the five years that I pastored. Those so seven years, seven and a half years. And I can tell you from the time that my family came to North Spoon to now, and Brother Jimmy, you know that I'm telling it right. It is not what it used to be. 
as far as encouraging the preacher while the preacher's preaching. We used to be a whole lot more vocal. We used to worship a lot more. And somewhere along the lines, I don't, I don't know if it's that we've gotten worldly, if, if we've just allowed too much of the world into us, or we've allowed too much, we, we've got too many distractions, we're just not where we used to be. And I'll be honest with you, I don't like it no more. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, I will say this, Brother Sammy Allen said one time, you don't go to a buffet to talk. <laughs> amen. I don't get hung up on everybody saying amen, but if the preacher's preaching right, encourage him. It helps. It helps. It helps. Love and appreciate. Be there for God's man. There's times, though you may not know it, that the preacher is discouraged. And when you come by, How does the proverb go? A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold. You just never know when you're going to be the one that God's going to use to lift His spirits. That's going to keep Him going just a little while further. Um, he needs to be encouraged just as much as we do. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you all. He's going to come in Sunday and He's going to be drained. Okay? Um, I've, I've preached three night meetings. I've preached five night meetings. I've preached three times on Sunday and have to turn around and, and, and preach a week-long meeting. I, I know what it is and, and I, know the, I know what it takes out of your body. Um, y'all, y'all wonder why when he's preaching about, you know, folks will say, well, the preacher only works three hours a week. He just, he just no, no, he don't. No, he don't. No. I told y'all I got settled today. I didn't start working on this today. Amen. It takes hours and hours and hours of studying and, and meditation and, and trying to find the mind of God because you don't want to be out of the will of God. And it's exhaustive to preach and to, to, to pour everything out that God's put into you. It takes a lot out of you. And He's going to be wore out Sunday. He's going to need us as a church to encourage Him to just keep on. My babies need it. And I need it. And your babies need it. And you need it. We need our pastor to be in his tip-top shape. We need him to preach like he ain't never preached before. We need to keep encouraging him. So God has placed you here for a reason. Every single one of you have got a gift that God has given you. Use it. Use it to help the church. God didn't do anything to hurt us. Why would we want to do anything to hurt His bride? Let me ask a rhetorical question. Everybody know what rhetorical is? You already know the answer to it, okay? What do you think would happen if somebody raised their hand to Miss Doreen? <laughs> Probably the same thing that would happen if somebody raised their hand to Miss Rebecca. Amen? Or Miss Kayla. Yeah? Yeah. Or Miss Devin. Or Miss Ruth. Or Miss Ann. Or Sister Angela. Or even Miss Tina. Huh? You ain't going to stand for it. I ain't going to stand for it. Brother Dave ain't here, but ain't nobody going to raise their hand. Ain't, they ain't gonna, they're not going to do it. Sister Brandy can stand there all she wants, but Brother Dave ain't going to stand for it. So why would we want to do anything against the Lord's bride? He gave us a gift to use for the church, to encourage the church, to edify the church, to help our church. Why don't we use it? That's what I got tonight, church. I love you. And I've not, I've not tried to come here tonight to scold anybody, but that's just what has been on my heart.